Our speaker for tonight is Poonam. Hi, I'm Poonam. I'm a compulsive overeater. It feels so good for me to be here and to see all the friendly faces. I came into the program about 15 years ago, 100 pounds more than I am today. And when I came, I was wearing size 22, 24. I was just ready to burst out of them, but I was digging in my heels, uh, refusing to go buy any new clothes. I felt really hopeless, completely helpless, because I had tried all the diets that are out there, had tried all the commercial programs, the big commercial programs. Nothing had ever worked. And as far back as I could remember, going back to my childhood, I had a problem with overeating. I remember when I was five, my dad put a huge platter of the sweet stuff in front of me because he thought by making me eat till I gagged on it, he could route this thing out of my system forever. And um, I was a compulsive overeater. I stole food. I remember at an early age, I stole money from my dad's handkerchief. Whatever change he had, he would wrap it in a handkerchief and leave it on the mantle. And I was stealing money from that so I could go to school and buy snacks. I stole money from other kids. I, of course, stole food. I ate rotten food. I, I was a teacher. I would raid the, the refrigerator for other faculty's food once they went home. Uh, there was a bin at my school where the kids who had unwanted lunches could put their lunches, and so other kids who might have forgotten their lunch could get something out of there. I would quickly eat my lunch in my room and then go circle the bin and look out to see if anybody was watching me and take several sandwiches and put them in my pocket and tool around the yard pretending like I was looking at the trees or whatever and be eating them. I was just a compulsive reader. And and I had um, triplet kids who were toddlers at that age. I felt completely hopeless. I had tried the diets, they didn't work. Every time I went to the doctor, he would say, go lose weight. You need to lose weight. I had hypertension. I was borderline diabetic. I'd had raging diabetes when I was pregnant with my kids till they ran out of the highest level of insulin to give me. They were talking about some kind of experimental insulin that they would have to give me. And I knew that I was going to get, become diabetic again very soon if I didn't find a way. My doctor was literally begging me to go on Lipitor because my cholesterol and triglycerides were off the chart. I remember him saying, promise me you will do it when you turn 45. I might have been a year or two before because I didn't want to take on one more pill. I was already taking pills for hypertension and diabetes. I didn't want to take on another pill. And um, I felt so hopeless. One day, he mentioned bariatric surgery to me. And he didn't say I needed it, but he maybe was testing the waters. He said a customer of his had had it done. A patient of his had had it done, and she was transformed. I liked that idea. I wanted something magical. I wanted to be transformed. I started researching it, 
And I realized that for my insurance to pay for it, I would need to be 100 pounds overweight. But I thought I was only about 85 pounds overweight at the most because I was big boned uh, in my mind. And I thought the insurance wouldn't pay for it. And so I was fantasizing about putting on 15 pounds because I couldn't lose five or even one pound, but I could put on 15 really easily. And it was at that kind of state when I saw an article in the Chronicle about Overeaters Anonymous. It was a front page article. I've never seen since anything like that in the Chronicle or any major outlet. And the article described Overeaters Anonymous as the last house on the block for people with problem of compulsive overeating. I knew I was a compulsive overeater before I came into the program because that was my story every single day, every single day. I resolved to do it completely differently tomorrow. And of course that tomorrow never arrived, but it was going to be the next day I was going to change it completely. I was going to be a different person. I was going to do it differently. So I decided to go to this meeting and, um, it was a tiny little meeting in a hospital, and I remember I was so emotionally overwrought. I don't know why I felt so emotional. It was the last hope for me. It was a tiny meeting. There were maybe 10 or 12 people at the meeting. And once the meeting began and these people started talking, I was really amazed. I was amazed that these people were talking about what it was like for me on the inside. For the first time, I was with a group of people who were talking about me, what it was like on the inside. It was my secret. Nobody in the world, I thought, knew what it was like for me on the inside. So I felt in an extremely powerful way that I was home. I had never felt this kind of homecoming ever, anywhere. And I resolved that I was going to do whatever these people were doing because I tried everything else anyway, and nothing had worked for me. So what was I going to do? I was going to try whatever these people were going to do. So I heard somebody say that go to as many meetings as possible. I started going to meetings regularly. And on my second or third meeting, after that meeting, somebody came up to me and said, would you like me to be a temporary sponsor? And I liked that. You know, temporary sponsorship, I could deal with that, no commitment. So she was a visiting professor, she became my temporary sponsor. And I heard people mention the word abstinence. I had no idea what abstinence was. So after a meeting, I asked somebody, what does that word mean? And so they explained it to me. And also those days in Berkeley, people talked about, people declared what their abstinences were openly. I don't hear so much of that now. And so I heard people say things like, I eat three meals a day, no sugar, nothing in between, or whatever their abstinence was. So I knew that sugar was absolutely my demon, because even though I had injected insulin several times a day, poked my fingers, the whole thing, I could not stay away from sugar. 
And every single day I was going to do it differently. But before I knew it, I was into sugar and one thing after the other. And, um, but one day I decided not to do it that way. I don't even know how it happened because I decided that every single day, but nothing ever worked out differently. But this particular day, it was different somehow. I realized that it was maybe 10 a.m. in the morning and I hadn't had sugar. And then it was noon and I couldn't believe it. And then I was watching the clock and somehow, you know, the time crept and it was afternoon and then it was evening. I was besides myself because it was so, it was an event of such rarity. And somehow I put myself to bed without eating sugar that day. I was absolutely in a daze about that. And the next day I was so thrilled because I'd had the first 24 hours without sugar. And I knew that sugar was my drug. I knew sugar was my heroin. I was never going to see that day again. And I just didn't want to jinx that anymore. I had the first day clear of sugar. So then somehow the second day went by and it was like lightning out of the sky or whatever cliche you want to use. It was unbelievable to me. And then it was two days and then three days and four days a week. And I've been sugar-free ever since. And it's only because I know what a big miracle that was and how many decades, literally, how many decades I had tried trying to give up sugar and I was unable to. So even though I didn't do sugar anymore, I was still doing a lot of damage with all the other foods. My temporary sponsor finished her stint at Berkeley. She went back to whichever university she was teaching at, out of state. I got another sponsor because I liked her. She was friendly. And I was doing the easier, softer, gentler way with the steps. I gave away parts of my fourth step. She said, do you feel better? And I said, yes, but actually no, not at all. And it just wasn't working for me. I was yo-yoing. I was beginning to feel hopeless again. The weight I had lost initially, maybe about 20 pounds, was creeping up, was back again. And I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do because this was my last hope and this wasn't working out. I started thinking maybe I needed a different program, a stricter program, the one with a stick or something like that. I wasn't sure. And um, one day I came with a friend to a meeting in San Francisco, the Wednesday night meeting. And at that meeting, I heard this woman share, and she said she didn't negotiate with food. That was, that was like an explosion for me. That was, that was so big in my brain. Didn't negotiate with food? What was she talking about? I negotiated with food all day long, all day. One more bite, one more thing, one this, one last time. Or, you know, I will stop after I eat these three slices or whatever it was. 
didn't negotiate with food. I had negotiated with food all my life. Besides, I come from a culture. We negotiate everything. And, and then I was sharing at that program. And I remember sharing, I remember saying that I'd been coming to the program for many years. I had seen people come after me and they would, and something would happen to them. They would get transformed before my very eyes, slowly. They, they would be different. They would lose the weight. They would be different people. Whereas I was like one of these big tanker ships I see going under the Golden Gate Bridge that have a difficult time turning. So maybe I was like that. I had difficulty turning. I just couldn't get it. And after the meeting, she walked up to me and she said, you know, the tanker image that you were describing, that sounds very painful. You know, it doesn't have to be that way. So I was like, what do you mean? She said, why don't you write about what are you afraid of to truly give yourself to this program? I had no idea what she was talking about. I'm like, write about that? She's like, yeah, just take two, three minutes for next few days, three, four days, write about what am I afraid of to truly give myself to this program. Just write whatever comes to your mind. I had no idea what she was talking about, but I trusted her recovery. She has this, you know, what I consider, you know, the flaming bush kind of recovery. So I decided to do whatever she was going, whatever she suggested. So the next day, I remember what she had said. So before lunch, I sat down and wrote, what am I afraid of to truly give myself to the program? And I wrote about it for two, three days, and things started coming up. I was afraid of giving up my favorite foods forever. I was afraid of starving, because thin people were starving people, of course. How else could they be thin? I always ate proactively, so I was afraid of losing weight also. I was afraid of being thin. I had always, always been fat, even though I fantasized about it. I was afraid. I was afraid of being in the world in a different way. Some of the problems were the problems I wanted, but I was afraid. I had all sorts of fears. Some of them were ridiculous, and some, once I saw them, but nevertheless, they were part of me. And then a few days later, I saw the same person. I heard the same person share that she had a particular way of doing daily writing, a daily 10th step. And ever since she started doing it, food became low-grade static for her. And she started feeling the presence of her higher power palpably around her, like she could reach out and touch it. I wanted that. Because food was huge for me. It was all about food and food obsession from morning till night. I wanted what she had. So after the meeting, I asked her what she was doing. So she said she was writing step three prayer, word for word. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou will. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may be a witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do that well always. And then she would write anything beginning with, God, I'm afraid. God, I'm angry. God, I'm resentful. 
or whatever else that came to her mind. Just write it out honestly till she was done. And then she would end with step seven prayer. My creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, the good and the bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character that stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. And then she would call somebody and give that away. I asked her if she would be my sponsor. And she didn't say I had to be on step 10 to be doing this writing. Because I wasn't on step 10. So I asked her if I could do this. She said, sure. So I started writing it. I started writing it out. And I would call her. I would read it to her. And it was amazing. Something about the writing, something about the level of honesty it took, it was like unzipping me completely. I felt so intensely vulnerable. I felt so humble in doing that and calling it and giving it away. I had huge towers of shame and isolation. I had been molested over many years, starting about age two and a half, three. I felt like nobody in the world was like me. I was tainted product. And just giving this away brought me to my true size. I felt one among many. A few months down the line, she said, I can't sponsor you anymore, but no one person is the program. So I heard her. I would just call the program list, go down the random list, whoever answered the phone. I would say, I have a 10 step. Can I give it away? And I started giving that away. And something about that, food instantly fell to low-grade static. It just wasn't as interesting anymore. And I started feeling the presence of my higher power, started establishing a relationship with my higher power. In the beginning, when I came to the program, I would be stuffing my face with sweet things and I would call to my higher power and say, stop me if you can, stop me if you can. I don't know, I expected this, this beam of lightning or something to strike it out before it went in. But now my higher power is somebody who deeply care about, cared about me and anything else I cared about. It was available, it, was, it wasn't too busy 